Good evening and welcome to Unbreak Your Health, the podcast program about the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'm Alan Smith in Plano, Texas, author of Unbreak Your Health, the complete guide to complementary and alternative therapies. And tonight our topic is Psych-K, and our guest is Robert Williams, the creator of the Psych-K process. After 14 years in the business world, Mr. Williams became a professional psychotherapist, but he was dissatisfied with the progress he was able to achieve with his clients. In a series of what he calls intuitive leaps, he developed a new type of therapy. Psych-K is one of my favorite therapies because I credit it with being a large factor in recovering my health after a disappointing trip to the Mayo Clinic. Prior to writing Unbreak Your Health, I was an advanced Psyche facilitator here in Plano. Good evening, Rob. Thank you for joining me. Good evening, Alan. Thanks for having me. What is Psyche-K? Psyche-K can be used in a lot of ways, but its real key issue is that it identifies and accesses belief systems that we hold, mostly subconscious, below the level of conscious awareness, that can affect everything from our behaviors to our health. So it's a way of accessing the beliefs and changing them. They're actually beliefs associated with wellness and beliefs associated with the suppression of wellness, and we can talk about that more if you'd like. Oh, absolutely. How did you come up with the therapy? Well, um, I'd like to say because I'm a really smart guy, and one day I decided to sit down and be real smart and dream it up, but that wouldn't be true. The truth of the matter is that Psyche um, is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year in 2008. It began in 1988 uh, and 89 with, uh, as you mentioned in the introduction of me, uh, some um, moments of intuitive leaps of understanding about the nature of all that I had studied up, in the, up until that time in my life. And so they were more like patterns or gifts from the universe to me, which I'm giving back to um, all of us because it's really, it's really a part of the human condition. So that's how it happened. I, I can call myself the originator of Psyche only means that I was in the right place at the right time when these patterns were dropped into my consciousness. All I did was organize them a little bit and then use them in a private session situation, eventually found out I could teach the work, eventually found out I could teach other people to teach the work, and now uh, Psyche is really taught worldwide by about 50 certified instructors. It's made quite a progress in the last 20 years. It seems remarkable to me. 20 years seems, on the one hand, a very long time, and yet uh, today it seems quite miraculous to look backwards in time and see what has actually happened with this idea, this thought form, I call it, on Earth. It's really being captured by the captured by the hearts and minds of a lot of people besides just Rob Williams, and that's very gratifying to see. Your book, Psych-K, The Missing Peace in Your Life, talks about making peace with yourself between your conscious and subconscious. What did you mean by that? Well, I think it's a very, very important concept, and that is we look at our world today, take the big picture for just a moment, and look around the world at all the places where there is something other than peace, <laughs> outright war or discontent or disharmony or long-held anger and resentment among various populations of peoples around the world. And one wonders, well, why is that? What's the story there? What's the real cause of that? And I found that by studying the individuals, that's the all of us people on the planet, we're fi I found out that very few of us are at peace with ourselves. We're usually, I consider ourselves mostly at war with ourselves. We have goals and ambitions in our lives, Alan, and consciously, and we're striving to achieve those goals, and most of them are, are benevolent, constructive goals. But we oftentimes, it turns out, have subconscious programs, old tapes and old programs from our history, sometimes perpetrated by our culture, sometimes by our parents, and sometimes by uh, authority figures in our society, 
that are less than peaceful. They're actually at conflict and total conflict with our desired uh, goals in life. So when you have this war raging inside yourself between your conscious desires and your subconscious programs, there's no peace to be had. And I think each one of us represents a microcosm of the world. So when we can find peace within ourselves, which is where the title of the book came, when we can organize our own reality in favor of our wisdom instead of our dysfunction, then we're not only going to have peace in, in each of us, we'll have peace in the world. I know from taking the classes that uh, one of the ways you explain these subconscious beliefs is that they act like filters. They change our perceptions on how we see ourselves and the world around us. How Absolutely. That, how does that function you know, in real practice? Well, it's really a key issue. It would be like me coming over to your house in the morning and saying, Alan, today you're going to wear these red glasses. They're rose-colored glasses, and I want you to look at the world today. Here's your world. It's the same world you were out in yesterday, but it's going to look completely different because you're wearing colored glasses. Next day, I come over and give you another pair of glasses. You go out into the same world, but the world looks different to you. It turns out the world is not what changes. It's our perception that changes our view of the world. So, the beliefs are like filters. They're like the way in which we see reality isn't reality itself. The way we see reality is as we are, not as it is, and that's through our system of beliefs, which are just like wearing glasses that filter out certain parts of reality and allow in others. Much like a woman who's fighting, meaning anorexic, thinking that she's still overweight. Correct. The perception in the mirror to her, if you ask her, what do you see in the mirror, she'll see, I see fat that I have to get rid of. Anybody else, even the objective measuring of her physical body, would say the woman's emaciated and she's uh, going to die if she doesn't get some food. But perception is everything. And whether it's an anorexic or a per person's perception of their value in the world or what they can achieve or their health, for instance, what their capacity is to, to trigger a self-healing response versus depending upon lots of things outside of them for uh, their health and wellness, whether that's psychological or physical, it's all about how you perceive yourself in the world and what the world's about. How do you characterize yourself? What are your capabilities? What, what are the rules of life for you? And boy, do they ever differ from person to person. And it seems like from day to day sometimes. Very much so. I think it depends on the triggers. In other words, the experiences you have and the associations and meanings you give those experiences, how someone says hello to you or goodbye to you or, or uh, criticizes you or compliments you, and your responses to those general sorts of activities going on can be very, very different between one person and another. One person can be very... It, it's very difficult for them to take compliments. Another person, it's very difficult for them to take criticism and vice versa. So it's not what's actually happening in the world. It's your response to it that really tells me what your filters are, what your belief systems are about reality. A lot of Psyche is dealing with the differences between conscious and subconscious mind. Could you give the folks kind of a, a short course on some of the major differences? Sure, they're fairly dramatic. The conscious mind is the one we think runs the show. Ironically, the opposite is true. But for most of your listeners, when they think of the conscious mind, they think, oh, that's the part of me that makes decisions and sets goals and judges the results, and it's the one that calls all the shots in life. I decide what to do. Well, to a certain degree, that's true, but it actually turns out to a very small degree. Conscious mind thinks literally. Uh, it is the one that sets the goals in life. It looks around and says what's working and what's not. It's just that it needs to partner with the subconscious mind, which is your habitual mind, not your volitional mind, not the one that sets the goals. It's the one that just carries out the existing programs. And it turns out, Alan, this is a profound reality that's recently been discovered within the last 10 years in neuroscience, that the subconscious mind actually is responsible at least 95% of the time for the decisions that you make and the actions you take in life. I mean, that's an astounding 
figure from 95 to 99 percent of the time, neuroscience tells us that the subconscious mind, your automatic mind, the automatic habitual mind, is actually making decisions for you out of your conscious awareness. It's the last minute when the decision's really already been made. You jump on the bandwagon consciously and say, oh, I'll choose this, or I'll do this, or I can, or I can't do that. Well, that's a little late in the show, you know, except most people don't even know they have a subconscious mind, so part of what Psyche is about is to tell people the truth about what's going on so that they can get off their own case, stop blaming themselves for not being strong enough or have enough willpower or enough commitment to accomplish their goals in life, and realize that the goals are largely driven from the subconscious level. As soon as you're aware of that and as soon as you can get a system like Psyche as an example that can access the subconscious and make the programming changes, then instead of your bad habits being the habit, your good habits become your habit. Listeners, if you're enjoying this podcast, then you'll love my new book. The second edition of How to Unbreak Your Health is your map to the world of complementary and alternative therapies. It features a new user-friendly format and 339 new and updated listings in 150 different categories. And you can get it on Amazon.com or at your local bookstore. We think that the conscious mind is the big, powerful engine that runs the whole show and you know, boy, we've got just total mastery over who we are, and come to find out, it's a pretty puny little engine after all. It is. It, it serves a very important function, which is abstract thinking and goal setting and assessment of what's going on. But it only processes about 40, that's four zero, bits of information per second. Sounds like a lot until it's contrasted with a subconscious that processes 40 million bits of information in that same second. So the subconscious mind is a million times faster and processing information than the conscious mind. That's one of the reasons that, as far as therapy goes, like conscious-based, insight-based therapies, which I was trained in at the university, I have a graduate degree in counseling, are, it tends to take so long and be so challenging because it's really you're accessing the slowest possible process of the conscious mind and asking it to make changes at the subconscious level. Well, if you're going to have a friend inside your head, I want the friend to be processing a million times faster than that. So Psyche is geared largely towards the, the big guy processor because once we give it information and say, now go do this task, and it says, sure enough, I'm going to go do it with one of the patterns of change that are a part of Psyche, it processes so quickly we can't possibly consciously be aware of the speed with which it processes. But that's why, Alan, you can change long-standing beliefs. I mean, beliefs you've had 30, 40, 50 years in a matter of minutes because the processing speed is so enormous. You don't have to consciously understand anything that's being changed. You make the goal up consciously. That's what the conscious mind's good, good at. But the subconscious mind is the one that has the power to change the beliefs. And I'm with you. If I'm going to get into an arm wrestling contest, I want the guy with the muscles uh, in charge of the important things. <laughs> Speaking of muscles, Psychic uses muscle testing as the major tool. Could you explain exactly what muscle testing really involves? It's used in a lot of different disciplines. In Psyche, specifically to um, access belief systems and find out where your conscious mind's beliefs or desires are in conflict with the subconscious belief systems. The reason muscle testing works is really not terribly mysterious. It turns out that your subconscious mind, because it can process so many things at once. I mean, it can multitask into the tune of thousands of functions simultaneously at 40 million bits of processing power per second. So it's responsible for things like heart rate, respiration, digestion, and muscle movement. So because it instructs the muscles uh, to be strong or weak, it, it sends an electric signal to any set of muscles 
Uh, if you stick your arm out, as in typical muscle testing, parallel to the floor, uh, out from your, your side, the, the arm stays there. In fact, it goes there in the first place because the instruction to the subconscious was make that so, and it sends the necessary complicated neurological signals to the muscle set to have the arm move out in that direction and then hang there. Muscle testing gives us an opportunity to challenge the, and to discover the strength of the signal at the subconscious source to the muscle set. It's called muscle testing because that's what we see being tested, but I think a more accurate description is really mind testing. Uh, what happens is if I say something that uh, is true and my subconscious believes it's true, that's the key piece here, like my name, if I say my name is Rob and somebody muscle tests me by pressing gently down on my wrist while my arm is extended straight out from my side, the, the strength in my arm will be as strong as it can be because the signal will be uninterrupted and it will be a full strength signal to that muscle set. Now, if I lie and I say my name is Kathy, let's say I pretend I'm a woman named Kathy and I'm a really pretty good liar, now, even if I'm a pretty good liar, the muscle response is going to be weak because inside there's no recognition at the subconscious level that my name is Kathy or that I'm a female. So two things, two, in a sense two files, uh, like in a computer analogy, crash. The signal is reduced to the muscle set. The muscle mass hasn't changed, but the signal, goes, the signal it gets weak, therefore the muscle is weak with the same amount of pressure on the, on the arms. When used properly, it's a very effective way to communicate directly with the subconscious mind. And in Psyche, the beauty of it is when you make a change, you have an attitude about it, you have an opinion about it, you have a feeling about it or whatever. All of that's subjective. But when your muscle response changes from weak to begin with, when you started with a belief you wanted to be true, then you do one of the psyche change processes, you can immediately find out if it worked because you're working with an objective measure of a subjective change. Your physiology reports the part you can't see. That's why I think it's so important in psyche. Psyche is a process that's done with uh, the facilitator and the client. It's not something that's done to them. Is that correct? Very important distinction in my opinion because I think most of us in the healthcare delivery system, especially in this country, are so used to being done to. Uh, even the language, uh, you listen to the language of allopathic medicine, mainstream medicine, the procedure was done on a patient. Um, you even find it sometimes in um, so-called complementary medicine that, well, I, um, I'm going to do this on somebody or did you do did you do the procedure on somebody? The on to me is, is an unfortunate way to characterize the nature of the relationship in a healing uh, relationship. And that is to say it sounds like if I'm the facilitator or I'm the doctor or I'm the health caregiver, it's all up to me to make you better. All you do, you're just a glob of protoplasm over there hanging out waiting for me to manipulate your energy field or your physiological body or your chemistry or something to make you well. In Psyche, we see it quite differently. We see that... Ultimately, the resources that create the change that you've come to a facilitator to have facilitated are already in you. The beauty of Psyche is that it's a key to access the power of self-healing already inside the person who came. So I think of it more as a key to access the subconscious resources of the individual than something that is powerful outside of the individual that's going to do anything to them. I think the safety protocols in Psyche are one of its best features. Could you explain to our listeners what, that, what I'm talking about? Yeah, that really dials us up to a different dimension in this conversation, and that is that I make some assumptions in Psyche that I think aren't, aren't universal in terms of the healing world, whether it's complementary or allopathic, and that is that I believe we are spiritual beings, Alan, having a human experience, and that our spirit is an integral part of the healing process. In fact, it's the part of us that can see the big picture of our lives. We may come to um, a, a facilitator of Psyche, or anyone else for that matter, with a physical problem, and we assume the problem is just something that 
we need to eradicate. We never really think much about, well, maybe it's a purpose. Maybe there's a purpose for this. Maybe it's actually a spiritual messenger delivering some very important message to us about our lives and our own spiritual evolution, and it's like a gauge in a car. It's showing you that you need to take care of something that is not just the physical. The physical is the printout of it, but if it's got a reason or a message, let's not kill the messenger before the message gets delivered. So in the Psyche protocols for doing any of the change work, you always have a step that um, before any change is actually made, you're asking your superconscious mind, I call it, some people call it higher self, spirit, God, I don't care what you call it, there's a part of us that is the same as in every one of us, it's a spiritual component. So it gets accessed in Psyche, communicated with, you get permission and, com and commitment from it to say, is this a good idea to do this before I do it? Because oftentimes, taking away a symptom, as much as a person might want that to be the case, can actually be well-intentioned but misguided in terms of their overall spiritual evolution. What is Psyche good for? How can it be used? Well, you mentioned some of the things, and certainly there's a, a laundry list of them. You can release fears and phobias, uh, weight loss issues, you can improve sports performance, uh, confidence and self-esteem, health issues certainly, the mind-body connection, trigger the self-healing response, which the medical community calls placebo response. I call it the perception response because perception is a direct trigger for uh, releasing that healing capacity within us, changing self-defeating patterns in relationships, uh, prosperity issues, uh, you know, it, it just it goes on and on. Uh, I think the most important one personally, uh, especially these days, I've come after 20 years to realize that the one big problem, if you want to call it a problem, the one big challenge, the one big dysfunction is actually our sense of answering the proverbial question, Alan, who do you think you are? And when you can answer that question with clarity, and it's not just my name is Alan, or I'm uh, a host on the podcast talking to Rob Williams. Who are you, Alan? And, and if we as individuals in the world can answer that question and finally come to the truth about us ourselves and say, look, I'm part of a, 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 a group of consciousnesses, I'm part of a collective conscious that is a divine consciousness having a human experience. And when you get to that and you understand everybody is that, then the beauty is this, Ellen. Then all of the things that are subsets of that, like your physical health, your emotional health, and all the rest of it, all that stuff clears up. All that stuff changes when you know that you are, in effect, a child of original perfection, not original sin. You weren't fundamentally flawed. You were fundamentally perfect. The sin was you were told otherwise. So the body starts to produce less than perfection. The mind starts to produce less than perfection. Our goal is to go home to the truth about who we are. And when we get there, then that's the only issue that needs to be solved. I call it the illusion of separation disorder. <laughs> as long as I think I'm separate from you or any of your listeners or they think they're separate from me, then we can treat each other in, in less than divine ways. But if we know the truth that we're all one thought, one divine thought expressed in an infinite number of ways on this planet in three-dimensional reality, then our abuse of each other and everything from personal stuff to wars stops. You want to change the world? First of all, change your attitude about who you are. Couldn't have said it better myself, Rob. <laughs> I'd like to thank you for taking the time to talk with me about Psyche today. I appreciate it. I sure appreciate you and what you do, because without you, I would be speaking to myself in this room right now. <laughs> I'm very delighted at all the things that I was able to say, but no one would know them. So thank you for playing this really important bridge role in getting the word about who we are and how to be in the world and why we want to be in the world this way out. Thank you, Alan. And anyone wanting to learn more about Psyche should check out the website at www.psych.com. 
www.unbreakyourhealth.com. You've been listening to the podcast edition of Unbreak Your Health, discovering the world of hope and health known as complementary and alternative medicine. I'll be back next week with another edition, but to learn more about our guest today, please visit the podcast page at www.unbreakyourhealth.com. We'd love to hear from you about this program. Please send your questions and comments to info at unbreakyourhealth.com. This program is a joint production of Unbreak Your Health and Loving Healing Press. Thank you for listening. I'm Alan Smith, and I look forward to being with you again soon.